Hi, welcome to the Persons of Lived Experience podcast with Dixie and Zona. I was so angry and I I put on this front like I was a tough ass, B-I-T-C-H, and, you know, nobody could mess with me. And what a joke. I mean, really, it was all a front and it, it's, it was my coping mechanism. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. I'm Dixie. I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm a mom of many, an anti-trafficking advocate, and passionate worshiper. And I'm Sona. I'm a writer, a speaker, a person with lived experience of human trafficking and homelessness. I'm a tiny house enthusiast and a cereal foodie. And our guest today is my friend Mo Rogers. I'm so excited to have her on. She is a child of God. (laughs) She's a child of God, a human and sex trafficking advocate activist, sorry, advocate and educator. She's a medical advocate, a bureaucracy navigator. That's a big one. Uh, Wife, daughter, sister, aunt, niece, cousin, and mommy to her fur baby, Luna Blue. Welcome, Mo. We're so happy to have you today. Okay. Thank you for having me here today. Um, I'm not sure really where to start, so I'll just go wherever the Holy Spirit takes me. Um, At first, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I was like, what do I have to contribute, actually? I'm like, what what part of my story is um, about human trafficking? And I had to start digging deep again and and going through some things in my past and my childhood, and I kind of realized, oh, yeah, maybe I do have some things to offer. Um, and we had a conversation that everyone has something to offer because we all have a story and in sharing our stories, we help not only other people, but we help ourselves heal. So I want to thank you for the opportunity and the blessing to help and serve others as well as maybe have some epiphanies myself. Um, I was molested as a child by four different relatives. Um, And that I think is when things started for me that led my life down a certain path. Um, My childhood is sketchy. There's a lot of blackout moments Mm -hmm. in chaos too, because there was an active alcoholic in the family and would end up in domestic abuse and me trying to be the peacemaker. Um, After listening to your story, Zona, actually, I realized we had some similarities where I would go to school, primary school, and retrospect probably feign um, an illness or a headache or something to be able to go down to the nurse's office and catch some sleep. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was anxiety little, my little human first grader with very 
dull happening in the home. Um, so I, I was raised in, in and around physical abuse, addiction issues. Um, alcohol is always, alcoholism was a um, generational curse that I like to think I broke. Um, and in, in so doing, you know, obviously with God's help, but in so doing, set an example for others in the family. Mm -hmm. And the drinking, I think, came about, I started at 11 because I think I just, again, didn't know how to deal with things as a child. Um, the feelings I was feeling after um, being violated, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. It also made me go down a path of trying to be perfect, you know, try to be do as long as I could do the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, things would be okay, but yeah, that didn't work out either. Um, I kind of jump around here. So what what just popped in my head was like I'm adult, and I mean I'm 56 years old, and I'm still just processing some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes me sad for, for the younger people. So I want to be somebody that I didn't have, you know, I want to mm -hmm. be somebody there that says, it's not your fault. It's not your fault would have been somebody telling me that when I was little would have been amazing. Um, right. I didn't do anything to bring such things on and such. And I, and I was tormented by that. I did do things to, to egg things on, um, the thoughts that were like, it's all your fault. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was in a situation where I had to go somewhere with brother's best friend at a, a time in my life. I was 13 and he raped me. And I was like, I, I blamed a lot of everybody else. I blamed myself. I blamed this person. I blamed, uh, people in my family for not protecting me from somebody like this. But at the same time, I was conflicted feelings like this guy likes me. And this was at 13, you know, mm -hmm. like, Oh, this, this is how it's supposed to be. And this is an older guy that likes me. And I guess this is how I'm supposed to act. And I didn't have the direction or anybody having conversations with me or mm -hmm. any safe adults to guide me, I guess, you know, um, so I started, I started having weird imagination and imaginations of, you know, well, this is going to be my boyfriend and that's how it worked. Right. But yeah, that wasn't the case. It really messed with me mentally. Um, all through high school, I abused alcohol and drugs, um, to deal with that and things that were going on in the home. Um, so when I was 13, I was, I was raped by my brother's best friend at the time, who I encountered when I moved back in this town on a few occasions. That was weird. That is weird. You know, at functions or something. Mm -hmm. um, they really don't prepare yeah, you for And have to that. act like nothing, right? Like just, I mean, I guess I didn't have to. No, I, I, this person worked where my dad worked and... There were functions that we would go to. Um, I had catered some functions for these people and I would encounter this and, and this person would always be really nice to me. It was just, I would be cordial and just 
it was it's weird to even think like it wasn't like and why would i tell them mm -hmm. you know at that point as an adult like what what i'm gonna come from this yeah so i just sat on it um like i did with a lot of my feelings or i drank them away or i worked them away you know i was a good alcoholic too um i graduated high school but before i did um, my family owned a bar and restaurant and if i was in there drinking um it's back when the the age was lower but i still wasn't of age to drink um they would be working and they'd ask a family friend to take me home and more times than not that ended up as being sex assaulted by this almost twice my age person um, that's terrible but I thought it was cool right do you know what I mean I thought that this mm -hmm. person was interested in me mm -hmm. and I had no really other guidelines of healthy relationships of you know growing up into dysfunction as as most people do in one way or another um I didn't know what a healthy male female relationship was so I between my perceptions of society, what society was feeding me and, you know, being encased in a dysfunctional lifestyle my whole life with, you know, just growing up in bars and drinking and not a whole lot of safe adults. Um, yeah. I thought I, I'm sad to say that, like I, that was something that came to me in the last few years when you asked me to do this podcast, like I had to start thinking back and I'm like, you know, I was kind of like, aren't I cool? This older person likes me and, you know, but it, it was really rape. Yeah. Like that was a revelation I just had in the last 72 hours hmm. and it happened over and over again. Yeah. Yep. So then I went to, then I went to college, um, which was like a free for all for me because nobody in my family was around. And in this small town where I grew up, everybody would always say, Oh, you're this one's the one's daughter, you know, and there was kind of like a protective twisted protective casing around me, I think. Um, but when I college, I let loose and I it graduated. Um, and it was a game um one night i had got and i still only remember pieces i was gang raped by five five guys that were in the bar that i frequented um and for a long time i thought that was also my fault like why would i report it i don't know who they are it was my fault i was in the bar i was drunk i don't remember that's what i get and I just lived with, you know, like that's, that's okay. That's my problem. I put myself in that position, you know, and I still struggle mm -hmm. with that. Hey, Zona here. Hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to drop in and talk to you about our partnership program that is launching with Bring Freedom, February 15th, 2023. We are going to be walking you through exactly how to have a personalized response for your community to um, 
trafficking to exploitation uh, to people presenting even with you know domestic violence or, or abuse because we want you to have a powerful response with the support that you need in order to make the best change and to have the safest community that you can possibly live in. The way that we're going to do that is that we have several tiers, including uh, individual or family tier, a small business or a small nonprofit, or a large business or a large nonprofit in order to help work with you, to equip you, to get the training that you need to understand what your response should be in your community, what things are already there and active, and how can you tap into those things, but fundamentally to not let anybody fall through the cracks. What we're able to offer through the partnership program is hands-on monthly trainings. We'll be able to walk you through the bonus material from our podcast, including um, the question and answer content with our persons with lived experience that will be available to you twice a month. We will also have uh, our office hours where you'll be able to come right in and ask Dixie and I questions and we'll have other experts on there as well so that you can get the answers and the connections that you need for your community and we can help you troubleshoot anything that you're not finding. You will also have all of the recordings from our all for one challenge that will be available to you uh, as a free bonus if you sign up now before our launch February 15th as you're a part of the development of further materials for prevention and awareness and the very best way to get this information out so that we have the safest communities possible. Go ahead and visit us at bringfreedom.org in order to find out more. I had had a similar experience, except I had gone home with a friend and her husband had brought home a friend who was also drunk and he raped me. And even though I had gotten a safe place to go, I was with, you know, trusted people and different things like that. Um, I still had the majority of people tell me, oh, well, it was your fault because you were drinking in the first place. That's just not even. I was the one telling me. It's not true. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost yeah. even like confirmed yeah. through society. And I'm, I'm grateful for the Me Too movement. Yeah that really started shifting yes. those results. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And my experience through trying to get sober over probably, I guess I started in 1996, uh, but now I'm four years alcohol-free and oh, over four me. years alcohol-free. But in my experience with myself and um, it seemed as though addictions, at least I can only speak honestly for me, but it seems, and others as well, it's a hole to fill in a way to cope. Um, yeah. And the only way I found that recently in the last four or five years was with God and Jesus, um, that I didn't have to do it on my own. But it seems like everybody's root for some sort of addiction is in childhood and 
childhood trauma and sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, I really, truly, because I've lived it, I've, I feel that, you know, and whether it's a spirit attacking this person, a way that they're trying to cope or both, I think the root of it is always in trauma. Just from a, like, I don't have any sciencey backed things to, mm-hmm. to quote, but just from my lived experience, you know. Um, right. I did leave out that, and I used to know this story so great, right? My victim, my victim story. I used to know this story so great, and I st- I stopped thinking about it for a long time because I, I'm not a victim anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of jumping around. I did leave out the fact that at 17, I tried to kill myself with a bottle of sleeping pills mm-hmm. um, because of a, a drunken induced argument in the home words that were exchanged. And my attitude was, I'll make this person feel awful the rest of their life if I kill myself. That was my thought. And I took a bottle of sleeping pills and an angel or something spoke to me and said, you can't do this to your mother. Mother, You have a lot to live for. Get up. And so I went down and told my mom and, and we did what we had to do. And so even though there's been times in my life where I struggled with very deep depression and suicide ideation. Because of that time, I won't ever actually try it. The thoughts are there sometimes still. Um, But it's a whole lot less since since I let God lead. Since I let God lead and believe him. Because for way too long, and, you know, it's my default to believe that I'm who I think I am and that everything that I've gone through is who I think I am when his view of me is so much better than mine. It's like, let me see me like you see me so I can get on with this assignment and help others, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to talk about. That's, that's a handful, isn't it? I think so. But I I think also, I don't know where do I go from here? the understanding of, you know, things like sex acts that, that happened by force, fraud, or coercion, you know, that is trafficking. And those types of things, even with that, those yeah. rides home, um, I think a lot of times people that have had those experiences are struggling with all of the mindsets that go along with that, where it's like, it's almost like, especially if it's somebody that you are going to encounter again, it's almost like your brain tries to build up this like good story about it so that you can keep going. So that, so that your brain just doesn't explode. And I know that's not the right way to say it, but it's like, you know, I I think we underestimate how powerful. No, it's very, to um to help us get through that trauma and to almost like wall off the atrociousness or the actual extent of what happened and um you know when that's happened just with one person that's one thing minimize with multiple people it's different you know it's um it, it's it's that process of walking out that healing and it takes time. And I think 
I don't think we're made to deal with all of our trauma at one time. Right. And and I think sometimes that's why it takes so I need to long hear that again. Healing. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> um, we're not made to yeah. deal with all of our trauma at one time. Seriously. It's, it's, yeah. It's okay for it to come in seasons of healing. And it's okay for there to be times of rest in between those seasons of healing. Yeah. I'm learning that because I've always been an all or nothing, a overdrive or reverse. It's actually one of my focus words is balance. Balance. Yeah, balance. That's good. And it's important to understand um, that, especially if you're someone who is addicted to work to cope. Running balance can be important. <laughs> balance is being forced on you. Yeah, the balance. Yeah, I mean, in in it, because remember we had a conversation earlier before we started recording that sometimes you said God is gentle and he is. But for me, because I think I just have that default of trying to make better than they really are in my head, from the trauma and, and trying to mold it into something it's not to be mm -hmm. acceptable. So my brain doesn't blow up. Like you said, literally, there's a, not a better way to say that. So you're not like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> Sorry. I think, um, um, I think learning the balance, it's almost like it goes to a little bit of extremes first. You know, where you see people that have been um, working all the time and it's almost like they just get flattened at some point. And it's whether that's a health condition, whether that's, you know, a relationship that's fallen apart or whether that is, you know, something that we quote unquote should be able to do that we're not able to do. At some point, it's almost like we we run out of that. I'm just going to continue to run through everything. And it's, it's really good to hit that yeah. point. That's Same what you're role. dealing with because um, it forces you to rest. Yeah. It forces you to recuperate. Right. It, we really don't grow without. Right. Reflection. That's what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so. it was forced upon me in forms of, um, illness mm -hmm. for quite a, quite a few years. Um, when I met Dixie in 2017, I was just feeling better than I had been in five years, but I'm, I miles away from that now today. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were, I was still fighting illnesses and a lot of time I, it, it's a lesson coming up again, like slow down. This is not what I want for you. This is what you think you're supposed to do. This is what society tells you to do. You know, I mean, when I was full force working, I always had like three jobs, right. at least, and then a couple fill-ins and, you know, um, so that's where, that's where I was going before when I said it's been forced on me, you know, and, yeah. and it's interesting once you, you're like, oh, that's what this is, how it, you can either see it come up again because because you didn't finish something or you can see it in others. Um, and that sometimes is a mirror to me. I've noticed a lot 
lately, um, God pointed out to me that when I'm actually talking to someone and giving them advice that they've asked or information they've asked about, it's something I need to hear. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I could, I could do that too. Or, yeah, yeah that might be something I want to work on. You know, yeah. it's interesting. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. so interesting that you pointed out, Zona, that that is trafficking. That mm-hmm. is, you know, coerce or, or, um, force fraud or coercion. As an advocate, yeah, force fraud or coercion. As an advocate, I still like, it's just like, well, yeah, that is, maybe that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because I guess I, I really was a victim. Because here I am trying to fight the stigma that it's not, you know, um, about like the move right it happens in our backyards it happens in our homes it happens in the schools and on on athletic teams and and anywhere in public anywhere and i'm i'm advocating it what a what a paradox right but just realizing i was a victim too yeah it could be kicking holy cow Yes. I find a lot maybe, of women. Maybe that is why God's put it on my heart to be so passionate. I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of women end up in this area fighting trafficking without even having the real awareness of, hey, that's actually what happened to me. But I think that ability to deeply identify in saying it's not okay for people to take advantage of somebody else. It's not okay to exploit them for no. for money or for their own pleasure or for you know the the labor that they can get out of them or or profit. You know, yeah, yeah, it, it's not okay, and we can stand up boldly and say it's not okay, but it's harder almost to say, and it wasn't okay when it happened to me. Right. almost it was a dissociation like oh i can fight this but be dissociated from it disassociated from it because i'm doing this about those people no i'm a those (laughs) i'm a those i think when we um spoke on the phone you said something like you're fighting for that little girl that you were yeah and all the other ones. Oh, it yeah. just, yeah. 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 And it's so powerful. And it shows yeah. how, how people are connected to each other, no matter how much we want to deny it. We are connected as humans and we're meant to be. We're created to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think those things and having... Lack of information, lack of access to information. You know, we're left with drawing our own conclusions and writing our own stories about what's happening to us and why it's happening. And we only see our side of it, right? So we don't see their issues, right? So a lot of times we internalize that blame. We internalize what's going on in our own uh, very limited 
perspective of the situation, especially when there has been that abuse from a very young age, because we don't have fully formed prefrontal cortexes that will say, wow, that adult was a jerk that took advantage of a child. But, you know, that forms how that we interpret situations that happen later in life because we internalize it at that same age where that initial trauma happened that goes, this is my fault. I did something. I deserved this. I, I was bad or something like that. And I think those are the ways that, um, yeah, we see this is my fault. This was, this is really the first time I've spoke openly about it. I wasn't, uh, not nervous. I was trepidatious maybe because there was a time where I would want to come on here and blow people's names up, you know, because I was so angry. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so angry and I, I put on this front, like I was a tough ass B I T C H and (laughs) you know, nobody could mess with me. And what a joke. I mean, really. It was all a front and it it's it was my coping mechanism. For sure. Right. <laughs> but I had the trepidation around like how I don't want I'm I don't want to get back at these people. And just that thought to me mm-hmm. was like, that's growth, that's good, that's God, that's forgiveness, which is not easy. Oh right? no. Especially if sometimes you end up in a position to serve those that may have been some of the biggest perpetrators, you know, and that's, it's hard. It's hard, but we're made to do hard things. And if anything, God's taught that about Mm -hmm. myself, um, because I continually ask, Please give me the faith in me that you have in me, because I think you have way too much faith in me by putting this on my plate. We are so excited for you to save the date for March 30th, 31st, and April 1st. No, this is not an April Fool's joke, but we have our very next free training that will be scheduled during that time. We'll be bringing you the latest and best practices from experts in the field that'll really help you have things you can implement in your own life to be a safe person, to make your community a safer place, and for you to have a response to fight human trafficking so that we together can end this in our lifetime. So make sure you save the dates, March 30th, 31st, and April 1st for our next free training. We were hoping to be able to talk to you about how you got involved in fighting trafficking. How did you even hear about trafficking in order to have these epiphanies? So I had no idea about anything about human trafficking. And I certainly don't act like I know all of it now. I'm learning every single day. You just brought me to the realization that I was trafficked in the last, like I said, since you asked me to do this podcast. Um, 
no clue, just going along with my life. And my cousin was involved with Trades of Hope, which um, is a fair trade fashion company. And Dixie can explain more to you about what Trades of Hope are, is. And um, I started learning about trafficking through Trades of Hope. And I couldn't believe that this was happening across the world on, on other levels, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also in our backyard. It's a, it's a worldly issue and it's a backyard issue mm-hmm. and our own home issue. Right. Um, yeah, Trades of Hope really was the starting point for me to learn about um, human trafficking around the world mm-hmm. and in third world countries. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, a lot was just, I'm, I'm looking back and I, I have to say it was spirit led. I used to do a lot of research, but I can't say that I actually was researching other trafficking organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, Operation Underground Railroad came into my site somehow. Um, and I started learning about more about human trafficking and the ops that were happening um, across the world through this company or this organization. Um, Tim Ballard's the president there and also learned that he, that was funded by, um, that would never, Operation Ground Underground Railroad would have never happened without Glenn Beck's backing. And Glenn Beck also started what's called the Nazarene Fund that helps persecuted Christians and other religions around the world, people that are being persecuted mm-hmm. and rescues them or helps children um, get to a safe environment. And also they do adoptions for kids that need placement. So, um, and I just keep learning more every day, different organizations. Um, I'm not really affiliated with one in particular. I try, I learn about things and I kind of vet them. And then if I think that they're legit, I'll, I'll post about them. So once I learned and I was like, I can't believe they're not talking about this every day, 24 seven on the news. Hmm. Yeah. Another show. So anyway, um, I, it was put on my heart to like, I got to let people know. I got to let people know about this. And my journey through this up to this point also has been a healing point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were t- I was saying something about dissociation before. And when I did learn about it, I understand now in retrospect why I was so, so, so emotional about it. Not mm-hmm. just, you know, regular baseline caring and compassion and mercy for other human beings, but because it hit me, it hit me on a level I didn't realize it was hitting me. Right. Um, and, and there were some really dark times, um, but I, it's the journey God laid out for me. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something good at the end because he's in charge. When I remember to do, let him be. <laughs> and when I don't play tug of war with my will, um, mm. things work out good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I came upon it. So what does it look like for you to be an educator? Um, I'd like to take that to the next level now, and I'm saying it out loud to other people, so I will be. Um, 
that means to me, like just spreading the word about trafficking, even now in, in my epiphany about myself and how trafficking, and I've said, that, you know, it's not just the taken, it's not just, you know, um, prostitution, it's happens in our own homes and, and it, just, it looks different. Mm -hmm. It looks different for different people, um, yeah. but it's out there all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would like to, to strive towards, if it's God's will, is um, maybe start doing some presentations in schools, even if it's, you know, primary or um, intermediate type grades, elementary schools, mm -hmm. um, maybe for parents, maybe for kids, maybe for both. I'm not sure what that looks like yet, mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm being if I'm being called to heal another level, I'm being called to like deal another level, right? Like to, mm -hmm. to deal, deal with my stuff and let others know about it. So they're not alone. Like that's one of my famous state, not famous. One of my favorite statements is, you know, you're not alone mm -hmm. on whatever it is that I'm talking to a friend about, right? Like if mm -hmm. I've experienced it, I'm going to let them know they're not alone. Cause I think in this world, that's one of the biggest things, especially now, with um, and some having an overarching theme of division, it's so important for us to reach out to others and be vulnerable and let them know they're not alone. And no matter what it is they're doing, whether it's addiction or or struck, you know, moms can reach out to other moms. And you know, I just think it would be a better world if we could just get over ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think that's been a big tactic um, in the world of like, no one else is going through this, what I'm doing and you know, only I'm struggling or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, Those thoughts. It's a lie, yeah. That you're by yourself, yeah. yeah. And we well, never are. I think even intergenerationally, I think that's a lie that we hear because I remember when I was dealing with everything, I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe that this is being allowed to happen, you know, by my parents. I, I just can't believe that. And it wasn't until many years later, I had real understanding that this mm -hmm. was a generational thing that had happened in my family. And they didn't have a voice because they had never been protected themselves. Right. And in that process, it made me feel like in my generation, I was all alone. And when in reality, that was not the case. And it made me think, you know, that I was dealing with this thing all by myself and they just wouldn't understand. Mm -hmm. And the reality is they did understand, but they didn't have any other equipping than I had. Right. You know, exactly. They hadn't had a safe adult in their season either. And you can have an adult that loves you that's still not safe and doesn't have an answer for what's exactly. going on. And, you know, sometimes we just expect our, it's like the phrase and that was going around here maybe like five years ago that's like, I'm looking for the adultiest adult in the room. Yeah. Right. You know? Like we're all looking for the adultiest adult in the room to go, what happened to you wasn't okay. We're not mm -hmm. going to stand for this. We are going to do something about it. And this is how to get over it. And I think the reality is a lot of times we're looking around and we're going, 
can we be the adultiest adult together? Like, can I have one area that I can be really like a super adult in? And then other areas I just ask other adults about? Yeah, and we can. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring this up because that's something that's happening. I'm learning in my life lately. It's like, I don't have to be this super responsible in this area. Yeah. Do you know, like, yeah, which was a whole nother mm-hmm. over responsibility. That's a whole nother show of, of fallout from the childhood trauma. Yes. For not over, only just the codependency over responsibility, but the deflection of having to look at myself and, and, be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good one. It is. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a recurring theme we've heard. Yeah. That's part of Zona's story, too. So for sure. So you're not alone. Yes. <laughs> Amazing story. I loved your story. I really did. I It made me feel not alone. It might have been when I was listening to your story that I got the epiphany of Oh yeah, that that was rape. That wasn't somebody just being interested in me. That was someone taking advantage and forcing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that I I know for like I don't expect this to be an easy process sharing your story with anybody. And I think especially when you've had the childhood trauma things it can be really difficult, but um, it has been very freeing as well to tell my story. Um, But I mean, Dixie can tell you, I wrestled, I wrestled with it. This was months of wrestling with it and sharing it on the podcast was my first time sharing it publicly ever. Yeah. And my, and this is mine. Yeah. I mean, to really like get into the, juicy parts and not have it be just like, oh, it was addiction. Let's really talk about the root. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, that's why like Dixie and I are very patient. Like we've had many people that have like had to reschedule multiple times and it's like, that is okay. You know, I had one, one guest right. that we had booked and they had contacted us back and they said, look, I'm not in a mentally stable place. Space. Mm -hmm. to record right now. And I was like, okay, thank you for telling us that. We will wait. If you decide this is never going to happen, there is no pressure from us. Right. You have no expectation of you have to tell us, you know, quote unquote, all the gory details or things like that. I I just don't think if we're being honoring of your story. Um, Yeah. That you don't owe us all of the details and I, and yeah, I why force that. somebody again, that's been forced. Right. Right. It yeah. Just no, that's, I've me. never felt forced by you guys. I set the, when Dixie asked me, I, um, I set the commitment soon because I knew it was something God was doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if I didn't schedule it right away. So at first I'm like, Oh, kind of like oh, tomorrow or the next day. And then I, I, which I'm getting better at, I paused yeah. Mm-hmm. Took a breath and was like, yeah, this is heavy and deep. You're mm-hmm. going to need to have a couple days to process and think about this before you do that. So, yeah. Yeah. That pause, right? <laughs> That's where you get the balance. Okay. 
That's good. Well, we have loved having you on. We're so grateful that you've shared. Um, how can people get in contact with you? Um, the best way they can get in contact with me is probably um, through Facebook, Mo Rogers on Facebook. Um, I think it's facebook.com, M-O-B-R-I-E-N-1111, because my husband's last name's O'Brien, but I use my maiden name. Most people know that more. Um, and if somebody wants to chat with me, if they wanted to reach out through you guys and, you know, I could get my number. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a good active listener. Yeah. You know, I don't mind at all. Awesome. Well, we just wanted to thank you for being here and thank you for the opportunity to serve. It's really been a blessing. And I've been, I've been stressing over it a little bit like, okay, but I, but not Mm -hmm. like God's got this God, God's got it. Yeah. And it's time. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to not only um, share my story and make it more real to myself, but let, let others know that, you know, we got you. We're here for you. For sure. Yes. Thank you so much, Mo. Thanks. I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you. Thank you for joining us for the Persons with Lived Experience podcast today. I hope you're enjoying season two of these inspiring stories for unprecedented times. Please share this episode with your community so that we can make more ripples to create waves of change. Thank you.